0: The first Commander's Classic arrives this weekend in North Texas. Former Air Force and Cowboys great Chad Hennings joins us to talk about the matchup between Air Force and Army at Globe Life Field, along with his thoughts on how selfless leadership has contributed to the Cowboys' hot start. But first, Babe Luffenberg joins us to talk Cowboys and his efforts to raise money for cancer research, and he lets us in on his dream of one day maybe opening a coffee shop. Then Mav's in-house DJ Poison Ivy joins us to pull the curtain back a little bit on how she revs up the crowd at American Airlines Center. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody. Kevin Sullivan here, joined as always by Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and our next level wingman, Marcus Carr. I guess wingman is appropriate this week. We've got our first fighter pilot on the Mic Drop. We'll be joined by Chad Henning soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening and subscribing. Give us a review, please, if you like the program. It's episode 38, Monica. In the beginning, they said it wasn't possible. We made it to episode 38. You know, that is one of those off the beaten path kind of numbers. Not a lot of famous players have worn number thirty-eight. I think it takes a special player to rock number thirty-eight. In fact, no Maverick has even has even tried to wear number thirty-eight. Of course, we had safety Jeff Heath wear thirty-eight for the Cowboys for seven years. The Cinderella story out of Saginaw Valley State. He's now with the Saints. So we're going to look forward, and for episode thirty-eight, we're going to find our inspiration. In Rangers outfield, there are DJ Peters. Now, funny thing about DJ Peters is his real name is Donald Scott Peters. So maybe it's, maybe it's Donald Jr. is where the DJ came from. If we were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, John Blake at the Rangers would be my lifeline call right now to figure out where the DJ came from. Peters had 12 homers in his 52 games with the Rangers last season after joining the club from the Dodgers after he was released by them. Uh, that was the most home runs hit by any Ranger during that during that span. Uh, Peters had a long journey to the big leagues. We like guys like that. Uh, he was once the Dodgers' top outfield prospect, so he's got history with Rangers manager Chris Woodward. So we hope big things are in store for DJ Peters, and that's who we're highlighting. Number 38 for episode 38. Monica, what's happening uh, at the Dallas Sports Commission this week? Have you come back down to earth after the uh, visit from all the delegates from FIFA and? U.S. soccer and CONCACAF?
1: Well, I think, I don't know about down to earth, but uh, we uh, received some additional information. Obviously, we have some follow-up of what we've learned during that site visit. Uh, we've just received our next presentation date. Uh, will be December 7th, where we'll present uh, for a good hour, hour and a half on our human rights plan and everything that we submitted back in June and uh, hopefully get some good feedback there and uh, be one step further to be naming a A host city in quarter one or quarter two uh hopefully we'll have another few big announcements of events that'll be coming to the dallas area here over the next few weeks so exciting for that a lot of planning going on for wwe wrestlemania on sale party uh, next week over at AT&T Stadium on, on Wednesday evening, so exciting uh, because, one, we just announced it'll be a two-day WrestleMania, Saturday and Sunday. So it uh, uh, should be uh, exciting. Uh, a lot of talent will be there. Some of the, A lot of the superstars will be there. So opportunity for our community to really get out and have a little fun and uh, get, get a little taste of WrestleMania uh, as we start to prepare and uh, announce other events that will be taking place during WrestleMania week as well. Um, we're preparing for a site visit for CrossFit, so I think we're one of the cities that they're looking at uh, to host some events in 23, 24, and 25. Uh, World Food Championship starts tomorrow. One of my favorite events of, uh, of that whole five-day event is the Bourbon Uh So if you like barbecue and like bourbon, this is like the perfect event uh, for you here over the weekend out at Fair Park. So uh, this will be the first time that they're doing an indoor-outdoor uh, uh, like activation within their event. Normally it's all outdoors. So, uh, hopefully that's a, that's a great, uh, opportunity. And really I enjoyed to see those, uh, amateur chefs out there cooking. I'm not a cook myself, but I do get to judge on Tuesday. So I'm excited about that as well. Um, a lot of planning going on for our cheerleading events. A lot of people don't know that cheerleading is, uh, one of our top two sporting events, uh, Here within the city, uh, every January, February, or February, March, uh, um, over 50,000 cheerleaders and their families take over Dallas for a weekend. So um, obviously it was a little bit scaled down this past year. So trying to get that back up and going, and I think they have record numbers. So a lot lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, I don't think we slow down. So uh, uh, other than working on renovation plans and getting prepared for, for future events, that's mainly what we're working on.
0: Well, you're always working on a lot, a lot of stuff, Monica, but I know this week you have to be like me somewhat distracted oh, yeah. by the fact that Sunday night is the two hour premiere at long last of season four of Yellowstone. How fired up are you for that? And you know, what do you think's going to, I mean, we don't, we don't want to give anything away for those who haven't yet binge seasons one through three. This is a great of course. Kevin Costner gives us a great sports connection here. But uh, tell everybody why you like the show, who your favorite characters are, that sort of thing.
1: Well, if people haven't watched Yellowstone, uh, you know, seasons one and two, uh, um, you're behind. You better you better you have a lot of catch up to do between now and Sunday. My favorite character is Rip. Uh, by no means Rip rip, better not be, um, you know, one of the casualties. I don't, I don't think he is based on what I've seen, but uh, yes, he is my favorite. I wasn't as fond of Beth uh, at the beginning, but I have to say that last season she kind of she kind of grew on me, but Sully... Uh, With a two hour, I just kind of learned it was a two hour premiere. And I'm not sure what the NFL is going to do and our poor, uh, you know, friends at NBC because I I feel like there's going to be a a lot of people watching Yellowstone on on Sunday night. I I may have to uh, just record the Monday or Sunday night football game um, and catch up on that. Titans
0: Rams, big trouble ratings wise. There's no no question about it. Yeah, Paramount Network uh, outdoing Sunday night football. Uh, But it's a great show. I'm a rip guy, too. Just don't ever let him give you a ride to the train station. He's going (laughs) after all the bad guys. It's going to be an awesome season. Uh, And, you know, I'm that guy. I I like the backup catcher. I like those uh, those Cinderella stories. The unsung hero. So Teeter is a favorite character of mine, too. And uh, played by the daughter of Michael Landon, by the way, for all you old timers like me. And uh, and of course, you got to love Lloyd, who's a real life cowboy. Uh, and, and stuntman who ended up acting on the show and does does, does a great job. Uh, we got a great show for you uh, this week here on the Mic Drop. Uh, back in a moment to talk with Babe Loffenberg, Chad Hennings, and Matt's in-house DJ, Poison Ivy. First, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow, right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit PerotMuseum.org for more information.
0: Thanks, Rach. And now it's our pleasure to welcome to the Mike Drop uh, Podcast, Chad Hennings. Cowboys great. Let's tell Chad's story a little bit. While playing uh, college ball at the Air Force Academy, Chad won the Outland Trophy in 1987 as the nation's best lineman. This is a big deal for that to be won uh, by a, uh, a, a player who from one of the service academies. In a classic move, Cowboys move from the TechSRAM era, because of his military commitment, Chad drops in the draft, and the Cowboys snag him in the 11th round, willing to wait. At that time, what would have been an eight-year commitment. Chad flew actual missions in the first Gulf War. As I said, this is a real-life fighter pilot. After the war, the Air Force dropped his commitment to four years, and his Cowboys career was soon underway. Chad played on all three uh, of the Cowboys Super Bowl champions in the 90s. Today, he's the author of three books, a motivational speaker, commercial real estate investor, and uh, the reason he's with us here today, he's also an ambassador for the Lockheed Martin Commander's Classic, in which Air Force takes on Army on Saturday in the first college football game ever played at Globe Life Field. Chad, welcome to the mic drop.
3: Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you. And one thing that you forgot in that resume, I am a fan of Rip also. Ooh, yeah. All right. When <laughs> I grow up. That's my goal in life.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. He is a badass, uh, extraordinaire, and uh and but also uh just a really fun character to to and a well-written character uh to follow. So, Chad, we all know about the Army Navy rivalry, the storied Army Navy rivalry. Tell us about the Air Force Army rivalry, and the role that the commanders classic could play in making that even even bigger.
3: You know, we're as far as the services go, we're we're the youngest branch military service. We respond out of the Army, the Army uh, aviation back in 1947. So we're always kind of trying to keep up with the quote unquote bigger brothers, but we've been around for 60 plus years now. So we're, you know, we are on par with them. And actually, Regarding the Commander Chiefs Trophy, the interservice rivalry between all three service academies, Air Force has the most Commander Chiefs trophies. So we've won the most. So I think we've proven that. But what we wanted to do with this game, with Army and Air Force, was to elevate the game that the Army Navy rivalry is to kind of highlight to to the nation that you know there are three service academies and that uh, football is alive and well in all three.
0: Now, the Air Force comes in with a six and two record. It's been a good season, uh, which includes, of course, a convincing 23 to three win over Navy on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Uh, Army's four and three, but on a three game losing streak. What should fans expect out of the matchup on uh, Saturday?
3: You know, having played in, in four of these games in the past, back when I was at the Air Force Academy, it doesn't matter what either team's record is going into it. It's, it's going to be a battle. And I can compare this for those of you that have, uh, have ever had a sibling rivalry. It's, it's brothers against brothers where you, it's a knock down, drag out fight. And, but you know, Katie bar the door when somebody comes against the family, like rip we're protectors of the rest <laughs> of, of each other going forward in the missions that we do in our active duty military service. But it doesn't matter what either team's record is. It's it's going to be a great game. And for those of you and your fans that have, are and your listeners that are listening to this podcast, if you've never been to a Surfs Academy game, it's it's one of those must bucket list items if you're a fan of collegiate athletics because the pageantry, the pomp, the circumstance, everything engaged with that is is something to behold, and it and it makes you proud to be an American. When you see what these young men do on the field, knowing that they're, you know, they're raising their hands to support and defend the Constitution of the United States to go represent us in whatever they do on
0: active duty. You, of course, fulfilled your military commitment after playing at the Air Force Academy. When you look back on it, do you ever daydream about what it would have been like? Uh, my my guess is you wouldn't have changed a thing, but you ever daydream about what it would have been like to be a first round pick and have a 12 year or longer NFL career instead of, uh, you know, having to wait and having a shorter NFL career and 11th round money instead of first round money and that sort of thing. You know, I,
3: you hit the nail on the head. I I don't even think about that
0: because I I am totally
3: content and I am proud of what I was able to accomplish and to achieve doing the route that I did that I was able to serve. I was able to fulfill my commitment. Um, You know, my claim to fame, Kevin, is that I was, Flew my last mission in northern Iraq in '92, and I played in the Super Bowl the same year. That's how fast wow. it changed for me. And I would never do it. it. My service time allowed me to to mature physically, emotionally, spiritually, and I grew up. I mean, I grew up a lot. I wasn't that 22 year old. I was a 26, 27 year old individual that had flown 45 missions in northern Iraq. So by the time I got to the NFL, mentally, you know. What
1: are they going to do to me after that? <laughs> Chad, you very gave, good point. You gave me goosebumps there, and I uh, actually spent ten or so years in uh, Colorado Springs uh, working with USA Volleyball and some other national governing bodies. So, uh, what you said about uh, Air Force games and going out to the academy and that's a that's a must and the spirit and the pageantry. I, I couldn't agree with you more. There, that that's a sp- a sp- one of my favorite things to do whenever we had some free time and there was actually games going on. Um it, you know I'm sure you had uh, growing up in Iowa plenty of uh, other universities recruiting you what was it like being recruited by the military service academies um and why did you choose the Air Force Academy
3: um I predominantly chose to go to the Air Force Academy because I wanted to have an experience that was unlike going to a traditional institution of higher learning I didn't want to go t- I wasn't necessarily highly recruited Coming out of high school, I went to a small school in a rural farming community in the East Central part of the state of Iowa. But, you know, my goal was I wanted to play Division I college football. And aside from that, I wanted to have an education experience that was unlike other. That's something that would challenge me to, quote unquote, see if I had the right stuff to perform. And when you graduate from a service academy, you you have that commitment, but you also have the training to prepare you for the rest of your life, that you can take those leadership skills, those technical skills, and do whatever you want to do, whether that's continue to serve in the US military, do a career there, or move on to something else where you know where the good Lord calls you. But that's the primary reason why I went there is because I wanted to have a holistic experience of mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that would better me long-term in life.
1: And this uh, Commander's Classic that's coming up here uh, uh, this weekend, it's more than just a, a football game. There's a lot of uh, other fan fests, pep rallies, tailgates, a big boxing event that that goes along with it. So it's really a, a celebration here uh, for both of those uh, uh, universities and, and academies. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that.
3: Well, Friday night, the night before the game, <clears throat> both teams or both schools boxing teams are going to square off at Globe Life Field and see who's the better pugilists of the schools, and hopefully Air Force can continue a winning tradition there. Um, you know, the pep rallies beforehand, it, and just to watch the cadets march on the field, if you've never seen that, that in itself is, is very inspirational, and it's something to bring your, your, your kids, your grandkids to see, and you can point out that you know, this is what service is all about. So those things and just, I'm sure the Peregrine Falcons, the Air Force Falcons will be flying around, seeing the air demonstrations at halftime. It's its going to be all about unity and, and America.
1: Well, I'll plan on being there on Saturday. I was with some of the Medal of Honor recipients that I think are going to be integrated into some of the programming there on, on Saturday and over the weekend. I know they're very excited and anytime you think about Air Force and, and Army, you obviously talk about leadership and uh, you've talked about it in, in some of your comments earlier, and you've written a lot and speak a lot about leadership. What are the keys to effective leadership and which leaders today in sports do you think are most effective?
3: You know, for me, leadership is, is doing the right thing for those that you're leading. For me, leadership is about leading excellence. It's about anybody can be a leader. And to be a leader and to live a life of excellence, in my opinion, is somebody that knows who they are, their, their identity is solid, and that they walk every day out with integrity. And that means being your best self today, encouraging others around you to be their best self and the organizations that you're affiliated with, you know, to rise to, it's a higher noble purpose or cost because it's not about us. And And those individuals that I see, you know, in sports today, are guys that, um, and both men and women, who selflessly give of themselves to others. You know, I, you know, today, so many times for particularly the young individuals, younger players, it's it's all about their Instagram status and how many people they have on social media. And it's not necessarily about the X's and O's of the game. And I just appreciate those people that are still the old school. It's about the sport. It's about winning championships. And for me, that's what I appreciate so much about my former teammates on the Cowboys. You know, having played with, I think, seven Hall of Famers now, each and every one of those guys was probably one of the most selfless individuals that I've ever been around. The teams were more about winning championships, Super Bowls, than they were about their next contract or their, their uh you know status as an all-pro, etc. It was all about the team. And that's what I've taken away from leadership: is it's not about you, it's about those. Under you,
0: well, well, Chad, this is going to be a great uh, weekend. It's a shout out. We should give a shout out to Sean Decker and his team at, at, uh, at the Rangers for once again, bringing a, a unique and a big event. We love big events in Dallas and, and then Lockheed Martin commanders classic will be another one of those, but before we let you go, we got to ask you a, a Cowboys question. I mean, what do you, the defense has certainly exceeded expectations this year. You mentioned selfless leadership. We had Jack Taylor on the podcast a few weeks ago. He attributed the reason for the Cowboys success is that, you know, uh, uh, Amari Cooper doesn't mind if CeeDee Lamb gets more catches and Ezekiel Elliott likes the fact that Tony Pollard uh, is having a productive season. So maybe selflessness ties into the Cowboys success uh, this season. What do you think? You know, I'm very, I'm cautiously optimistic
3: uh, for the Cowboys, but it's, The one thing that I've seen from this team is you've highlighted it. Everybody has a role to play and it's not about them. It's about winning. And, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence is going to be back here and hopefully in a couple of weeks, just to add to that defensive pass rush that has been, it's been non-existent in the years past. And now it's, it's finally their consistency. And for me, being a defensive guy, defense wins championships this offense is so potent and so powerful that, you know, they can score on a whim, but you have to stop the other team. And when you could put pressure on the quarterback and your secondary is, is making turnovers and big plays, this team has great potential.
0: Well, Chad, thanks so much for joining us uh, this week here on the mic drop and everybody check out the Lockheed Martin commanders classic with air force taking on army at globe life field on Saturday. Thanks so much. And now, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: All right, Sally, what are you doing this weekend? Because I'm going to the Dallas Zoo. The Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with its more than 2,000 animals. Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com today to purchase your tickets.
0: And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the Mic Drop podcast, our friend, longtime Cowboys radio analyst, the great Babe Laufenberg. Of course, Babe first became part of Cowboys broadcast way back in 1996. He was a very young man. Brad Sham says <laughs> that Babe is the best analyst in football, and we agree. What Brad says is good enough for us here at the Mic Drop, but we wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Babe, of course, also 17 years as the sports chief at our CBS affiliate, Channel 11. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about how Babe is a force in our community. Uh, babe, we, we've had now more than 100 guests on the mic drop. You're only the third person to make a repeat visit. Ah. You're joining Dallas legends, media legends, Mark Falwell and Mark Reiner. Now, we sort of joke around, you know, Saturday Night Live has the has the, the five guest host club. Well, maybe we have the two guest appearance, the club and, and you and Mark and Reiner were in there. So you're our Tom Hanks and, and they're Alec Baldwin and, and uh, Steve Martin, I guess, but, uh, but congratulations. This could be, I don't know where this ranks in your career accomplishments, but, but thanks for coming back on the program. Well, I, I love it, Sully. And I, it sets it right up at the top. And that tells you
4: two things, just how proud I am to be associated with those other two guys and just how low The bar has been set for me in my life accomplishments. But I look at it this way, Sully. Uh, You talk about the Saturday Night Live hosts. uh, Go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I believe there's only one person that has been inducted three times. You know who that would be? I'm going to go with Bruce Springsteen. No, no. Uh,
0: It would be Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton, because Clapton. of because of Cream, because of Cream, because of the Yardbirds, and as a solo artist.
4: There we go. And there's only one woman that's been inducted twice. That would be Diana Stevie, Ross,
0: Stevie Nicks, solo, Stevie Nicks,
4: solo, and part of Fleetwood Mac, obviously. So
0: there you go, a little music tribute for you. I I, I love it. And uh, and now over to Monica.
1: Well, babe, first off, I owe you a big thank you for your assistance uh, in October with helping me with with, uh, a little access. (laughs) So I am way late in in thanking you. So first off, I wanted to say that. Um, Well, can I tell you one thing,
4: Monica? I would like to think I have some pull, but when the game day show brings its show to Dallas and you played for and are still friends with Lee Corso, my job was pretty easy because when I pick (laughs) up the phone to Lee and Lee picks up the phone to somebody on that staff, they get it done.
1: (laughs) Well, I I appreciate it. I'm not one who usually likes to ask for certain things, but uh, I I did appreciate that. It's, it's helped me since. So I I appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, So, you know, babe, last Sunday, uh, I think there were some skeptics out there when we heard that uh, Dak wasn't starting and uh, oh boy, Cooper Rush is going to be there. You were a backup quarterback in the NFL for eight seasons, Were you surprised uh, of the outcome that really Cooper Rush stepped up there in that game uh, against Minnesota and guided the Cowboys to a win?
4: Before that game, Monica, I I said on the air right before kickoff to Brad Sham, of course, my play-by-play partner for the last 25 years. um, I said, here's what we know about Cooper Rush. I said, we don't know about Cooper Rush (laughs) because he's, he's (laughs) never played. He's had three passes as a professional during a regular season. So uh, I think you can you can have all these conjectures and what we think and what we saw here, but until you get out there and do it, um, you, you just don't know. And that's not that's not untrue of Tony Romo's first game, right? He went into the second half of a Monday night game against New York Giants through two touchdowns, three interceptions in a half. I mean, he had everything going on, but we, we really didn't know. And then we found out, obviously, that Tony was pretty good. Um, so I didn't know about Cooper rush. I-, I thought he would do well. And one of the reasons why I thought he'd do well is he has so much talent around him. Um, he doesn't have to try to win the game on his own. He did not have to try to win the game on his own. Matter of fact, defense played great, held Minnesota to 17 points. Now all you got to do is score 20. And when you've got Martin Cooper and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard and all these guys to make plays around you, you don't have to carry the load. But, uh, I thought for the first game, And going on the road against a good defensive football team, Uh, and let me say, there is no building louder than U.S. Bank Stadium there in Minneapolis. It is crazy loud. You have a headache before the game even starts. It's so loud. So for him to go into that environment and then come out with a win, including leading the team to the touchdown drive, the game-winning drive at the end of the game, that was pretty fantastic.
1: Well, I think coming out of Sunday and with that win, uh, a, a lot of positivity, a lot of people on that, uh, well, for sure on the Cowboys bus, but I think it feels like we're going a little faster than than we maybe normally do. Um, and you mentioned, uh, obviously, the offense, able to move the ball and score, but really this year the defensive improvements have been really incredible Uh, we've even had a lot of people that have been out uh, due to return soon so what in your eyes uh, over this first part of the season what's been the real key to that success on defense
4: I think probably two things Uh, I think they did a great job of personnel this year bringing players in that have helped veteran players on one-year deals Uh, they didn't have the splashy Free agent signing. They, they didn't have a J.J. Watt coming in or something like that, like Arizona had uh, J.J. Watt, of course, out now, but uh, there was no splash, but all these guys that have come in have been productive players. And I could list a whole bunch of them, J. Ron Kearse, and the list goes on and on, but they've all been kind of better than I think they could have hoped for, and if you go to last year and why that defense was so historically bad, literally historically bad, Everyone they brought in did not work out. They had Ha Ha Clinton Dix come in and play safety. He didn't even make it out of training camp. Uh, Don Terry Poe, he was awful. He made it through half the season. Uh, Alden Smith started out well in the first two, three games, then disappeared. So all those guys that they brought in to shore up that defense didn't pan out. This year, honestly, each and every one of them, and I could go through a bunch of names, but uh, they've panned out. And then obviously the elevated play. Of Trayvon Diggs, who's been fantastic. And then picking up Mike to Parsons in the draft at number 12 uh, last year. He's been great. So it's been a whole confluence of defenders that are really having great years. And then the the second part is Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator. Uh, You you can't give him too much credit because I always say, uh, Monica and Sully, every coach is selling something, right? Every organization is selling something. I don't care if you're in the business world or the sports world, but you're selling, hey, This is what we are. This is what we're about. And the whole key is getting your employees, which is basically what players are, to buy into what you're selling. And I think what Dan Quinn is selling, the Cowboys defensive players have bought into.
1: Well, wow, I don't think I could have said it any better than that. So we've <laughs> got the. Uh, it makes me think about my staff uh, back in back in the office. Uh, um, uh, are they,
4: Monica? Are they buying into they, what you're selling? I
1: think they they've bought in. I, I have a very good team. Uh, we're very hardworking <laughs> and uh, small but mighty. Um, so big game coming up this Sunday against the Broncos at AT&T Stadium. Um, break it down. What what should we expect, babe?
4: Boy, I, I, would, I would think more of the same. Uh, Denver comes in. They they started off 3-0, and uh, beat three teams that basically hadn't won a game <laughs> through the first three weeks of the season. So they had a little bit of an easy run to start with. Stumbled, lost four in a row, came back and beat the football team uh, last week. They've got a solid quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, but he's not going to excite anybody. Um, so I, I just don't think Denver has enough offensive firepower to keep up with what the Cowboys can do and the Cowboys leading the NFL in scoring. um, And I just don't see Denver being able to keep up with it. But as I say that (laughs) there's always, the NFL is not like college football. I always say college football schedule comes out. And when the schedule comes out, Alabama has 10 wins. And then they got to figure out how to beat a couple of teams, right? This year it'll be Georgia. Some years they have to try to beat LSU or Florida or whatever. Um, This year, NFL, I mean, every week is different. Every week is week to week. And what happened last week has no bearing on what happens this week. And uh, if you go back to last week, even Cincinnati Bengals, who's everybody's darling, and I think they are a really good football team, uh, they get beat by former Cowboy Mike White making his first NFL start. So if you had told anyone before that game, yeah, the Jets are going to beat the Bengals with Mike White making his first NFL start, uh, you say you're crazy. and exactly what happened so you you can never take anything for granted uh, in life or in the NFL
0: babe shifting gears just a little bit here people those of us who get to be around you and even Cowboys fans who hear you on the radio know what a fun guy you are you know it just comes through uh, and I, and I, I think people can tell but you also have a great heart You're you're just a really really good person and and in particular, you know, I mentioned you're a force for good in our community. A lot of that has to do with raising money for cancer research. Uh, obviously, uh, many people are aware your beloved son, Luke, passed away uh, August of 2019 after a tough battle with uh, Burkitt's lymphoma, a very rare form of leukemia. This is a really, really uh, just such a sad and, and heartbreaking uh Part, part of your life that you've shared with all of us on social media and 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 to, to tell that story. Well, Hockey Fights Cancer is has been launched once again. The NFL, uh, I'm sorry, the NHL has raised, I think almost $30 million in the last 20 plus years with their annual Hockey Fights Cancer campaign. So coming up on November 23rd, the Stars game against the Edmonton Oilers, you're going to drop the puck that night. Uh, and 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 as 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 you know, a key moment of the Stars hockey fights cancer night. W- w- what does that mean to you? Well, I've many times been accused of dropping the ball, uh, Sully,
4: <laughs> but that was never a good thing. But uh, that that night's going to very be very emotional for me. I was honored that Brad Alberts uh, and the Stars uh, presented the opportunity for me uh, to drop that puck, and obviously, it means much more than just. Going out on the ice for the ceremonial puck drop. Uh it's gonna be an emotional moment. They they all are anytime uh we do an event or anything comes up to to honor Luke or to raise money for cancer, be it childhood cancer or any other type. And we've done a lot of that. Um, and every one of them is emotional, and especially when you have to get up and speak. I'm hoping that I don't have to have a have a speech there. So I hope we just drop the puck and wave and go on. But uh again, I'm honored that uh to be a part of that evening, and and the force that the NHL has become uh, with the hockey fights cancer uh, and research um, for cancer, and I, I I'll backtrack a little bit. We were in the hospital. Well, we were in the hospital many nights uh, with Luke, and at one point I told him, uh, you know, Luke, the time saying you're better off than the person that had this uh, two years ago. And I said, down the road, there may come a time, because he went through some horrible, obviously, treatments with chemotherapy. And it was an aggressive cancer, so they in turn had to be aggressive with his treatment. But I said, hey, all the money that's being raised and all these people that are doing these things, um, there's going to come a time when they'll say, oh, you got Burkitt's leukemia? You got Burkitt's lymphoma? Okay, take these pills, take them for a week, and you'll be fine. And all that is through research and it's through funding. So, for the NHL to be involved in this, I'm hoping that, <clears throat> excuse me, down the road, uh, there's a, a young man or woman who contracts Burkitts and they say, take these pills for a week and you'll be fine.
0: Now, as a fellow dad, this is unfathomable to me what you, you and and your family went through. But uh, I was inspired. Uh, my wife Jo was inspired uh, by the way you told the story of of Luke during that 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 battle i mean is that his legacy in a way that the inspiration that came and the people were motivated and inspired to to get involved in the fight Uh, you know the nhl during hockey fights cancer month everybody gets a sign that says i fight for and you write a name in and there's a lot you're going to see a lot of i fight for loop signs uh that night for that edmonton game and is that his legacy that you told the story in a way that 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 inspired people to to help raise money for, for a cure?
4: Well, Luke was a very uh, loving, giving person. Oh, after he passed, um, I had so many messages and uh, text messages or in person or or what have you from his friends who said, Luke did this for me. And a lot of them were kind of those kids who you, who you might say were I don't want to say disenfranchised, but they, they weren't the popular kids in school. But Luke made it a point, unbeknownst to me, to reach out to these people, to bring them and make them a part of whatever group he was in. And, and Luke had more, I know social media, you have friend groups, but he had more friend group in real life. I don't know how he found time to continue these relationships with all these people. And it was boys and girls and uh, teammates and coaches. and but. Uh, he was, just, he was just out there with all these and he, he was always looking out for other people. So in a way, I feel like he is still looking out for other people and they're the people that are gonna, again, be told uh, they have cancer and they need treatment. And hopefully down the road, as obviously, as we all know, we're making great progress uh, with all forms of cancers. Um, so hopefully down the road, Somehow along the way, all this money that's been raised uh, will help somebody else. And, uh, you know, we we don't have a chance to help him anymore. Uh, we we did our best, but hopefully we have a chance uh, through the NHL, through Luke, through all this, uh, that we can help some kids coming
0: behind him. Now Luke was a tight end, uh, number war number two. And when he was in remission, uh, Texas El Paso gave him a chance to play football again. Uh, he, he went out there. Uh, sadly, he didn't get back uh, on the field for for a, a, a game, but he was there working. And what, what's the latest with the Luke Loffenberg Fight Fund uh, at UTEP? Uh, I know they're doing some special things, and how can people uh, help contribute? Well,
4: uh, just to backtrack a little bit there. So yeah, so he basically was out almost a year recovering, and we were literally trying to keep him alive. He went from 240 pounds to 150 pounds. Built his body back up, went and visited Utah and they had, re or, excuse me, UTEP. And uh, they had been one of the schools recruiting him uh, when he got sick. And so when he showed up on campus, they, they couldn't believe that this is a kid with cancer because he had worked his body back up and looked like an athlete. And uh, part of the thing, too, was, as I found out after from some of his teammates there, he, he didn't talk about his cancer. He didn't want to, he didn't want anybody feeling sorry for him. He just wanted to come out and be another one of the guys and earn his spot on the team. And he actually was probably going to be the starting tight end the next year, went through spring ball. And then it came back in the spring during the middle of spring ball and back he came to Dallas. And obviously um, we, 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 didn't win that battle, but um, they, they have established a Luke Loft We have established a Luke loft Merck fight fund. We have funded a nutrition station there. And it's funny when you're not a power five, Monica and uh, Kevin, but you're not one of those Power Five schools that has everything available to these players. It's, it, it, it's a little different. So we we established a thing where each player may sound simple, but it was Luke's favorite. He was at Texas A&M as a walk-on, but they got a protein shake, big protein shake, whatever they wanted, blah blah blah. So we did a station there, and it's a protein shake, and it's a Lute Loftberg fight uh, station. And every, after every workout, the kids come in and get a big old protein shake. And so we will fund that. Um, or for we hope to endow a fund for it, but we have put that in, and we had a little coffee fundraiser, and uh, some I guess the biggest sports stars of Dallas were there. It was a small event, but it was kind of a big event in its own way. But you know, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, Dirk Nowitzki, Mark McLemore, uh Sunny Dykes from SMU, the all the, all these guys came to help out. And the neat thing about that was I thought I'd have to ask you know maybe forty of these celebrity types to to get ten to show. You know how that goes yeah. in that world. Uh, they've all got a million requests and asks. And well, to a man, each one of them. one, two minutes later, I text them or sent them something. Uh, Count me in. I'll be there. So uh, we raised about sixty thousand dollars in that. We'll have it again this year, and uh, hopefully to raise a little bit more money even. So but- everybody got to
0: ought to check out the Luke Laufenberg Fight Fund and uh, and contribute.
4: Yeah, it's real, if you, it's real easy. If you just pu- plug in uh, Luke Laufenberg and UTEP, that fund will come up and you can see, uh, you can donate online. The other neat thing, very quickly, uh, the coaching staff there, and in particular, the head coach, Dana Dimmel, uh, has just been fantastic about honoring Luke. They have a Luke Laufenberg hustle award given to three players every week, offense, defense, special teams. They all still wear a Luke decal on the back of their helmet. Um, so it, it's it's pretty amazing what they've done. There's the number two will always be given to a player who exemplified Luke's uh, spirit and fight. And this year it's a kid named Justin Garrett, great kid. We have become friends, but he wears that too. And not only does he wear the number two, his nameplate on his Jersey is Laufenberg. So he went to them. That was not part of the deal, but he went to him and said, I want to put Laufenberg instead of Garrett um, on my my jersey. So the first time I saw it, I, I didn't know that was happening, and I was watching the game, and I see that, and I uh, don't think I didn't tear up.
0: <laughs> man, oh man.
1: Yeah, that uh, that is pretty special. We need to hear more of these types of stories. I feel like than uh, maybe some of the other stories that we hear uh, that maybe don't have. Well, a- and if
4: I may quickly too, I, I went to Justin Garrett again. Great kid. This is a kid that grew up in. This is an African American kid that grew up in Compton. Right, N- nothing in common grew up homeless for a while as well. There's no reason that he and Luke should have been friends if you just looked at the outside. Here's Luke growing up in suburbia, pretty good life. There's another kid coming from the streets of Compton, homeless for a while. And I, I said to Justin, you know, after Luke passed, I was back at UTEP and he was wearing the number. And I said, Justin, how did you and Luke become friends? I'm just curious, you know, Luke was a tight end. He was, he's a wide receiver, Justin Garrett is. And he said, we were always the last two to leave the locker room. They were always putting in extra work, either in the weight room, extra running. He said, so at the end of the day, we were the only two guys in there and we just started talking and they bonded. And so a, a pretty neat story and um, not only a neat story, and we, we know all our, our times are divisive, but here's two kids that found a way to come together. So I, I let me quickly, I, I keep up with Justin uh, every week twice a week, text him, how's school going? So we have had this relationship now ongoing and uh, he's having a great year. UTEP is having a great year. Uh, So anyway, it's been a pretty neat story.
1: Well, very, very impactful for me. Um, And babe, before we let you go, uh, you've, I mean, very successful career, um, a big contributor here and a staple within our community what is on the Babe Laughlinberg uh, bucket list? What's uh, what else? Uh, what big things do you have up there on, on the top of that list?
4: Um, I, I guess I'll give you two. I don't. I, I've never really had a bucket list, but uh, I want to open a coffee shop, and Jason Garrett and I may do just that. We've been looking into it. Okay, will you come yeah. have coffee? Oh, I'm.
1: I drink coffee twenty four seven, so I'll be there.
4: Oh, oh, you're you're one of our best customers. <laughs> now here's the irony, though, Jason. Doesn't drink coffee, <laughs> so I said, Jason. The, number one, you're the only coach I've ever met that doesn't drink coffee because of their hours are crazy. And I said, two, I'm going to open a coffee shop with a guy that doesn't drink coffee. That doesn't make any sense. But uh, the other part would be at some point uh, to be able to afford a place like in Colorado or in the mountains. Um, I've, I've always loved the mountains, the, the tranquility of it. Uh, I'm a big fly fisherman, so I may do that one day too. And trust me, Joe Willie is. Who went to uh, Boulder, went to school at uh, Colorado. Uh, he, he's really pushing for that as well. He said, "Dad, you need to do that because <laughs> he wants to go use it."
1: Hey, I'm I'm a proponent of uh, having a, a special place to go to and just unwind and uh, relax. So I hope you uh, get that place up in Colorado and the coffee shop because I will be uh, a customer for sure.
4: Well, and FYI, Monica, already we already have the name. It's going to be Lou's. Okay. okay? So come on in. If the first cup's on us. The rest, you're on your own.
1: Okay. I, I can do I can <laughs> do with that. Well, babe, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking uh, many times more uh, on, on the podcast. Um, and now a word from uh, Rachel and one of our sponsors.
2: Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet, We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Now I'm really excited to welcome to the mic drop, the Mavericks in-house DJ, Poison Ivy, a.k.a. Ivy Awinno. Ivy was born in Nairobi, Kenya, raised in Dallas. She has a fantastic backstory. As a student at Marquette, got noticed on the campus radio station. I think it was a late night gig, probably. Next thing you know, she's working club dates, then the huge Summerfest music festival with some of the biggest names in music. Uh, uh, Returned to Dallas to DJ at WNBA Wings Games and then became the first woman to DJ at Mavericks Home Games. She was... DJ Poison Ivy was the DJ at the 2018 NBA All-Star Game in Los Angeles, the first woman to do that. That is a big deal. And now with Chris Arnold filling in for Sean Heath on, on PA duties, uh, Poison Ivy has stepped up to that game entertainment role. I was at the home opener uh, against the Rockets, and she did a fantastic job, and, and uh, it is really a pleasure to welcome to the mic drop Poison Ivy. I sound I feel cool saying that welcome poison ivy
5: you are cool thank you so much Kevin, <laughs> for that amazing introduction and i'll do fully just go ahead and point out that yes hosting duties are in full swing as is my no voice because of that like so learning curves here right
0: <laughs> so so i mean you've got a background in music you you know piano cello you know all this stuff And then you got into turntables, but in your role at Mavericks games at the American Airlines Center, what is the key, whether it's in the DJ role or the in-game entertainment role to getting the crowd going and keeping them going? Obviously, the play on the court helps, but how do you approach it?
5: Yeah, we like to think of it as controlling the controllables. And, you know, we obviously cannot control play or game flow, but what we can do or what I can do is really... Um, affect and inflect energy into the ambiance, right? And so I think it really begins with just an overall um, analysis of what's going on in the world that day. How are people feeling? What happened in, you know, global, national, local news? Um, Has there anybody, you know, has there been any, you know, great news, sad news? What's the weather like? You know what I mean? Um, Is there anything worth commemorating? What shows were on TV last night? What's you know, going to be on TV tonight. You know, just trying to make sure that we're um, tying in just about any and everything that we can, um, and really tapping into our fans' psyche, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, I think sound is one of those things that um, subliminally um, affects a lot of things a lot more than people would give credit to or for or even realize. You know, I was just talking with somebody the other day and. They were like, you know, it's it's funny. I never really thought about walking into an arena and thinking that somebody's actual job is to make sure that this place isn't silent, you know. Um, so it's a culmination of a lot of different things, um, and I just like to make sure that it's it's as wholesome as possible, right? Um, and it's not just loud sounds blaring through the speakers, but more so meaningful ones as well.
1: Well, poison ivy, I can guarantee we'll be uh, reaching out to you for our 2023 women's final four. Uh, we're just starting our, uh, yeah, exactly. We're just starting our, our planning meetings here in the next few few weeks, and uh, we're going to need that crowd roaring in 2023 for not only the Division One but two and three championships, which kind of goes to uh, my next question. You've accomplished many firsts for women. Uh, do you consider yourself a, a pioneer?
5: You know, I I. I do I I do offer a small caveat in that I I it was never my intention right it, nobody I don't I don't well maybe some people do but I, I never set out to be the first of anyone um or anything however now that I am I am extremely um intentional about, about what I do in that space and how I move in that space realizing that you know if i don't take up as much space as possible right that then or actually my intention is to take up as much space as possible and not only that but make sure that the hands of the people that i'm holding moving forward um you know are are women like myself and and really dispelling that um you know notion that this space and yes you know historically has predominantly been um, and when I say this space, I mean, in-game operations, right? It's not just myself in my role, but it's, you know, the camera crew, um, you know, the the replay room crew, like there's so many other incredible women that I work with um, who are pioneers in their own right and have been doing this for so long, but their stories are just not told or heard enough, you know? Um, so the long-winded question, the answer to that question is, yes, I do. But right now, more than anything, I try not to necessarily focus on on the first and being the first but I'm more focused on not being the last you know or or there being too much of a gap between myself and the next
1: so uh, you had a special role I think during the pandemic the players couldn't do much in the community um, both on social media and at times in person you really kept the Mavericks connected to their fans can you talk about that a little bit
5: yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I pivoted a little bit during um, our pan the pandemic pivot, right? Yep. Um, for me, included working in um, corporate social responsibility, helping St. Marshall um, in our organization really launch Mavs Take Action, which is our initiative to just listen, learn, and unite our DFW community um, in our response more so to the social and civil unrest that you know, was taking place heavily at the time, and to a certain extent still, um, you know, still exists. Um, And so it was really, you know, one of the threads that I feel like holds me together is just, you know, philanthropy and and being a do-gooder, you know, and just infusing more good in in the community in any capacity. And so having that heart, um, that servant's heart, you know, that servant leadership um, skill, you know, really lent itself well to making sure we were out here, doing the best that we could with what we could. So whether that was voter registration drives or, you know, um, just co- courageous conversations, just gathering our community and and, and really infusing, I'm um, hoping and and, and um, more so showing that the organization is here not just to entertain and for basketball purposes, but we are very much a part of um, the Dallas community um, in, in totality, you know, um, and then of course I was one of the, what, 80 people allowed back in the building um, (laughs) during season restart. So, you know, I can now uniquely say that um, I've seen professional sporting events take place with uh, roughly about less than 100 people, (laughs) you know, in there to keep it going. So it was really weird. Um, It just being me and the guys, really, you know, just creating the vibe, no fans, no cheering you know, we eventually worked to the sweetener and got the fade, the, you know, the, the fake crowd noise or the synthetic, you know, crowd noise and what have you. So that's definitely, you know, I passed on four bubbles. I passed on the NBA bubble. I passed on the WNBA bubble. I passed on the G League bubble, um, but eventually ended up in a, a bubble in Africa, right? For the Basketball Africa League bubble. But um, after having, you know, I would say I would say escape but after having not been around sports for so long it was definitely great to at least you know be a part of seeing how the league rolled out you know a safe
0: restart. Well, Ivy, this is the point in the podcast where we ask our guests what you're streaming, what are you downloading? Uh could be music, TV, movie, podcast, book. Uh what do you got for us? What are you watching and listening to these days?
5: Oh man. Okay. So unfortunately, um, this having five games, I don't even know how many it is five games in seven days I lost count or however many days it's been, it just feels like it's all running together. My TV time is like, has been severed and you know, in pieces, but I'm, I'm, I'm stacking up my insecure episodes. Um, I absolutely love Issa Rae and, um the show but more so even with her like the music line the storyline you know she her music direction in that show is stellar um so i really really love um i've heard a lot about succession haven't started that either but that's on my list obviously you i'm a huge netflixer i (laughs) i have you on there i i started squid games uh, i'm halfway through i i'm really great at starting shows and not finishing um but yeah i'm um, super excited to oh the harder they fall is out on netflix now so excited to see that as well um on music front i i'm huge into afro diaspora music and dope music out of africa you know um so all the afro beats and you know listening to discovering new artists right now i'm east african so you know diamond platinums um so there's a great producer out of um, London whose project um, or his name is Jules. He just put out a project. It's very global. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, obviously, so you know, there are local artists as well that I absolutely love to support Bobby Sessions. I think Yellow Beasy just put out a new song today. Pay um, Money, you know, just really making sure we support a lot of the great movements out here, you know, uh, that are going on in terms of music in Dallas. Um, and then let me see. Um, I'm actually reading um, Sarah Jakes Roberts' um, "Women Evolve," um, which is right there on my <laughs> on my stand. Um, a couple other books uh, St. Marshall has suggested: "The Emperor Has No Clothes." You know, just a book about battling imposter syndrome. And um, as you can see, I keep a lot around. It. And then just like when I have bits and pieces of free time, I, you know, um, listen here, watch there, read there. Um, But if anything, if, if anything else, you know, you can always know what I'm doing on my socials. I'm happy. I always (laughs) share my recs on there. So keep up with me and you'll definitely know um, where I'm at (laughs) on that front.
0: I will do that. I always say Monica is the, you know, the hardest working, busiest person in show business. You may give her a run for that. Ivy. Yeah. So, uh, so that's all pretty cool. Monica, what are you downloading streaming? Well, you know, uh, these so days? I,
1: most of the time I'm hit or miss on here, Sully, and I hadn't had a lot of time, uh, recently, but actually I did sc- stream an entire season, uh, uh, over the weekend and Poison Ivy mentioned it, uh, in her list. Uh, so you, I watched season three of, you. uh, you,
5: Love yes. It.
1: Um, it, it, uh, the first one was a, the first season was a little, I'm like, what? wow know. and then the, know. the second season and then i didn't think the third season was as good as the first two but everybody else thought the, that i've talked to thinks that it's uh ten, Monica, ten I'm, times with better. You.
5: I, I'm absolutely with you i'm not i'm not as i think the first one was so blaringly yep. shocking yep. right that the fact that we've normalized yep. season three is just like wait
0: what?
1: Yeah, that's what I said. I'm right, like, no
0: spoiler alert. You could no know.
5: spoiler
1: alert.
0: I did yeah, not. No spoilers. spoilers. Yeah.
1: No spoilers. Right? You know what's going to happen? Yeah, I'm like you can tell. Well, what's you know, Ivy, happen we, there. we
0: do exhaustive preparation in advance of each one of these podcasts, and and uh, Monica mentioned you yesterday, so my wife Joe and I watched the first one of season one last night. So now we're going to have to uh, add, add that. Uh, I neglected to go to Marcus earlier in the program for our Pony Watch with SMU, having suffered a heartbreaking defeat, now headed to Memphis. Marcus, do you either have a comment on the Ponies or a download uh, for us this week? We don't want to completely lose you out. Ivy, Marcus went from being an intern to now being a full-time employee at Tony Fay PR, so we're trying to treat him with more respect. And not that interns shouldn't be respected, but but anyway, uh, Marcus, what do you got for us?
5: Right. It was uh,
1: the the ponies' loss was was enough disrespect for me this weekend. I they shouldn't have kicked. They shouldn't have kicked that um, kickoff. It was it was heartbreaking. Uh, not looking forward to this weekend. I'm concerned about the season going forward. Tough tough schedule coming up. Uh, but you season three, I will say, is better than season yeah. one and two. That's my hot take. No, Marcus.
5: Right. <laughs> Marcus, well, i was gonna
1: have to <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to do some major binging to catch up with this. So for me, you know, having Succession underway and and Yellowstone starting with the big two-hour premiere Sunday night is more uh, than I can handle. So that's what I got this week. Uh, And with that, Ivy, thanks for joining us. It was really a blast uh, uh, talking with you today.
5: Monica Sully-Marcus, thank you all so much for having me, and thank you to just all the great work that, you know, the commission does, and like I said, right now is just an amazing time to be a Dallasite, you know, when it comes to sports, you know, um, Mavericks, Cowboys, SMU, I mean, all college, all pro, MLS, I'm just so excited to be a part of this, part of this, you know, um, community, so thank you all so much for having me.
0: You may have just gotten yourself on the Dallas Sports Commission list of testimonials on the website. I know. Ivy. I mean and Monica will
5: I Mia.
1: Yeah.
0: Monica <laughs> is definitely gonna have you on Speed Dial with your energy and all your well, great ideas. You are in. It, it may be sooner of,
1: than later, uh Sully. We we have a logo unveil. We're about to start planning here later this year. So she may get a phone call just on my way downtown. Who knows?
0: That, that's right. <laughs> well, what what a show. Aww. This has been a blast. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission. Thanks to our guests, Babe Loffenberg, Chad Hennings, and Poison Ivy. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Daniel Whitelaw, Angela Lang, and Marcus Carr, all of Tony Faye PR. Mark and Jay at Vocal Media, our showrunner, and fearless leader, Tony Faye. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.